Ciao and welcome to Life in Luca with Andrea. This podcast came about because of my passion for Luca. So much so, I decided to self-fund this project. I've been overwhelmed with the response and would dearly love for it to continue. So, if you enjoyed the episode, you can help by visiting the Ko-fi supporter webpage and donate the equivalent of a cup of coffee or two. You can find the link in the episode notes or on my webpage, lifeinluca.podbean.com. Thank you. In this episode, I meet the Texan-born Vanessa Peters for the very first time. Discover how, on a study abroad programme in Tuscany back in 2000, Vanessa stumbled by chance on the then unremarkable City of Luca in a guidebook. It grabbed her curiosity and she felt drawn to visit. Vanessa is a musician. Very fitting then that she found and then chose Luca, which is renowned for its culture of music as her base. In fact, the video for her single Crazy Maker, taken from the album Modern Age, which came out in February, was filmed in Luca last December. Here's the show. So, Vanessa, ciao and welcome to Life in Luca with Andrea. Good morning. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> yes, I think we should do a buongiorno if we're in uh, Luca. Um, and so we've been introduced through a mutual friend. And this is the first time that we've actually met. Yes. Yeah, so I really appreciate you meeting me to chat about your Luca experience. Yes, yeah. very glad to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you, mm-hmm. Vanessa. That's great. I mean, I must admit, when I read through, um, I sent you... Um, you know, some sample questions so mm-hmm. we'd know what to discuss and to get a little background. The warmth in what you wrote on the on, on the form was absolutely, I could really feel your love <laughs> and passion for Luca. Yeah, once I get started, it's, it's, hard, it's hard for me to turn it off. <laughs> it's like opening a water fountain. Oh, well, that, that, that's lovely. And it, that's, you know, a really good reason for you to be interviewed. So when did you actually discover Luca? I actually came to Luca for the first time in June of 2000. Uh, I was doing a study abroad program in a different city, still in Tuscany, but in the kind of the far south. And uh, a bunch of my fellow university students wanted to go to Cinque Terre and all the places that were kind of hot at the moment. And I had found this old travel guide. It was not a famous one. It wasn't like a Lonely Planet or a uh, Fodders or anything. I don't know. It was just this British guy that had written his own personal travel guide. And it mentioned Luca. And I read a couple pages and I thought, this place just sounds amazing. And I also thought it sounds like a place that nobody else will probably be there. You know, I was already kind of over going to Firenze and and Rome where it was like packed full of tour. I wanted to go to a place that was kind of off the beaten path. So I talked to my friends into coming with me and uh, we took the train. It took forever, I remember, because back in the day there was no high-speed train or anything. So it took like three hours to get here. But uh, we were just amazed by it we rented bicycles and we rode around the walls and we thought man we've just found this amazing paradise that nobody's ever heard of it was great mm, it's absolutely beautiful isn't it so would mm. you say that you found Luca or, or Luca found you I guess it was a little bit of both I mean I like I said but for some reason I guess you could say Luca found me because I opened the book to this page you know and I thought what is this place called Luca but then as soon as I read it I thought okay I have to go check this out so mm-hmm. I, I made it I made it my mission to go explore you know. And so did the um, have you stayed or visited any of the other places in Italy besides Luca? 
Yeah, I lived for almost 10 years in a town called Castellón Fiorentino, which is about 10 kilometers south of Arezzo. And then I've I've been all over the country. Uh, I'm a musician and I, I tour, so I've, I've played really in some of the most ridiculous, <laughs> hard-to-find places of Italy. We sometimes laugh when we look at the map because we... We never, you know, we never managed to do like Bologna, Firenze, and Siena or something. We're in one week, we're in Trieste, and the next week we're in <laughs> Bari or something, you know. So yes, I've I've been all over the country, but Tuscany is the area that I know the best. Yeah, so. it, it is like you say though about the maps because of the the, the, the windy, the more than windy roads, aren't they? Yes. It's as if you've got a bowl of spaghetti and dropped it on a piece <laughs> of paper, and you've got to find your way, isn't it? It's true. You look at the map and you think, well, these two places can't be that far apart, and then. <laughs> Very often it takes much longer than you anticipated to get from A to B, for sure. So how much time do you actually spend in Luca? I would say I'm usually uh, here about half of the year, although it's not a consecutive six months. Um, and even when we're in Luca, a lot of, like when we're in Italy, a lot of times I'm not in Luca because we're doing shows, you know, traveling about. But um, but when but when we're lucky, we manage to eke out six months here. Oh, yes. that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely lovely. So so you're not originally from Luca. I mean, it takes a good one to get by me, but I think I can sense a bit of an American accent, maybe. Yeah, I'm from Texas originally. I have no actual ties to Italy other than just having come here to study and mm. falling in love with it like so many people do. I don't have any Italian heritage or anything else. I just, just a crazy girl from Texas that became... Texana Toscana, that's what Texana yeah. Toscana, yes. <laughs> you and me, well, I'm not from America, I'm from the UK, but right. you and me both, you know, no other ties. You don't have any Italian ties either, no? No, no, it's just grabs you, I think. Mm-hmm. There's just something about it, isn't it? And It gets into your blood. It's it does. It's hard to explain. It is, it is really hard to explain, mm-hmm. beyond the fact it's beautiful and the culture and the, the lifestyle. Yeah, people ask me all the time, why do you keep going back to the same place? And I, and I tell them, well... I'm not actually going back to the same place because I'm, you know, I go around and see and do different mm. things. But it's also just, I sort of feel like you, it is very difficult to explain. You almost have to just experience it to to understand it. And then a lot of people experience it and they don't, they still don't understand it. And that's okay too. I mean, it's yeah. just like, it's different. It's a very personal thing, I think, for mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. So um, your life in uh, Luca and your life in Texas mm-hmm. must differ massively. Yeah, they're pretty different. I, <laughs> in uh, We live in Dallas uh, back in the States, and we actually live in a, ve- a very nice area that's that's fairly fairly green. We, you know, we don't live in a concrete jungle. We don't live downtown. We live in an area right by a park with a lake. And so it's as, it's as green and verdant as you can get, I think, in Dallas. But that being said, we have to take our car everywhere. There's nowhere that I can't walk to any grocery stores. Even like the nearest grocery store, if I were to walk, would be twenty five minutes. And wow. and usually in the summer in Texas, that's oh. not something that anybody who wants to walk to the store and then have to come home dripping in sweat with all of your groceries melting in your bag. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So already just the fact that there, I have to take my car every day if I leave mm-hmm. my house. Luckily, I work from home. You know, as a musician, I I do a lot of things at home, so I don't have to leave the house every day. But here. I, I live in one of the main streets of town, and if I walk out my front door, I've got three grocers right there. There's the pharmacist. There's a couple of coffee shops. They're all within 50 meters of my front door, and so I, I never take the car here unless it's raining, pretty much, you yeah. know. And even then, it's only if I have to leave the walls. If I have errands to run in the city, I just walk or ride my bike, and that's it's just really good for, for my soul. I don't, you know, 
being in the car, since I'm in the car all the time anyway when I'm on tour, mm -hmm. I think I really appreciate when I'm here that I don't ever have to fold my body into the L shape, you know, for <laughs> six hours at a time. Mm -hmm. It's nice to be able to stretch your legs. It is, yeah. yeah. So do you think it's easy to live in Luca? I do, yeah. I mean, obviously everything has a caveat. It depends on how, you know, your familiarity with the language and your ability to sort of adapt to other You know, there's a lot of people I feel that come here and they want to recreate what they have back at home here. And I don't ever feel like that's going to work out that well because um, you're always going to be missing something that you don't have. You know, you're always going to be looking for your favorite, I don't know, your favorite brand of cereal or something that you can't <laughs> find here. And like you really do have to just make peace with the fact that, mm. I mean, even though we live in a global world and there's a lot of availability of things here and there now, some things are different and they always will be and you have to sort of lean into that. And if you lean into it, I feel like it can be very easy to live here. Yeah, it can, yes. It's, uh, and what about expense-wise, you know, sort of on a day-to-day -day living mm -hmm. basis? I feel like it's pretty on par with where we come from, you know, in like the, Texas has a, a fairly low cost of living compared to like the coastal, you know, compared to New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco. I don't feel like there are obviously some things that are more expensive here, like heating in the winter is more mm -hmm. expensive. But and then again, I live in Texas, so we've got tons of natural gas and it's not that cold in the winter. So I don't have a great basis of comparison in that regard. Um, gasoline is obviously more expensive, but as I just said, I don't ever drive. So it doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't matter. I feel like food is cheaper here, especially good food. It's sort of like, Could I find cheaper food in America? Sure, I can go to Walmart and I can buy things that are, mm. you know, pre-processed in cans and it is cheaper, but it tastes terrible and it's bad for you. And the fact that I can like roll out my front door and get fresh produce from the fields nearby right at, at my feet is to me worth any price. But luckily it turns out it's not even expensive. Sometimes I look at them, I'm like, did you charge me for, <laughs> did you charge me for everything? And they're like, yes. <laughs> and that's lovely, you know, so I don't find it particularly expensive no. to live here. No, and it's wonderful when, as you were just saying about all the uh, the green grocers, uh, mm -hmm. the altifruiters, the the vegetables and the fruit, the shapes and sizes. You can tell mm -hmm. they've just come out of the field. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're covered in dirt sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is great. You know, it's like yeah. you know that that's a fresh thing, and they'll tell you too. Like if you get to be friends with your local with your local grocer, the people yeah. down the street from me. The other day, I walked by and they had these beautiful look looking figs that were sitting oh. out, and I was like. I think I want some of those figs. And she shook her head. She's like, you really don't. And she's like, I, she's like, the ones I sold this morning were the ones that were already mature. And these are, she's like, these are hard as a rock. She was like, you should just wait until, until I get the next batch in. Yes. And I was like, oh, well, thank you for telling me. Because yes. <laughs> she could have just sold them to me. And, well, you know, I would have gotten home. Maybe I would have never even known the difference. But I appreciated the fact that she was like, no, no, come back when they're better. I was like, yeah. okay. Oh. You know. So. And you do, you find that, don't you? There are many around the town mm -hmm. um, of all the various shops, but the ones that are local to you, and they do, they, they're really welcoming to you, aren't they? And mm -hmm. they, they, you know, they, they sort of, you make, um, not, not so much a friend, but, you know, they, they recognize you as one yeah. of the locals, don't they? It was one of those things they talked about a lot during COVID, that people really missed their personal connections, not just from people that they were obviously close to, their friends and family mm -hmm. that they couldn't see. But it turns out we humans actually really miss those um, what we would call like very casual connections, like yeah. your your buddy so that you see every morning, or yeah. maybe the guy that you say hi to on the metro when you go to work. Mm. They, you know, you're always on the same train. Mm. Or there are these people in your lives that are like a very it's a very glancing glancing mm. connection. It's mm. not deep in any way, mm. but it still is like a 
it's this moment of humanity that you get throughout the day. And that was the thing that people really missed. And I think that's the thing that we were really lucky with here was like, at the end of the day, we could still pop down the street and we could still see our grocers and we could still see, you know, well, maybe not so much our baristas, most of the bars were closed, (laughs) but at the very least, the grocery store guy was there. Yeah, the essential foods, yeah. Yeah, it was. And before we started the interview, we were talking about water because mm-hmm. it's such a clean city, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it is because there aren't many cars, mm-hmm. as, as, in, as in many cities. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is ever so clean. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about water, and um, it's something I don't think I've touched on very much with uh, when I, well, I've been doing the other interviews. But mm-hmm. there are water fountains all around the city, mm-hmm. aren't they? And you can see people go and um, just fill the bottles up, mm-hmm. don't they? Sort of the one they're carrying, yeah. with, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they finish the water. But also people that live in Centro Storico, they, they, they save the bottles, don't yeah. they? Yeah, we have our glass bottles. It was one of the first things we bought when we first moved to Luca. And we want, you know, we saw the locals filling up there. They have these little carriers where you put in like six bottles that are a liter or a liter and a half of like glass bottles. You know, and I would always see the oldsters going to the fountain and you think, gosh, this person can barely walk, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're sort of schlepping this, this, this glass, these glass jars along, filling up with water. And so we actually went to one of these, one of those amazing stores that sells everything, you know, it was a yeah. guy that he sold like brooms and pots and pans and like little home odds and ends. And mm-hmm. he, his store had obviously been there for 60 years, you know, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. we told him we want bottles for the water. And he, you know, pulled out the different options and we still have our original bottles. Wow. I can't believe they've been, it's like eight years we've managed not to break one, but, yeah. but we, yeah, that's one of those small things that like, we love to just go fill up the water at the fountain. And it really is so much better than tap water. I mean, it's hard to explain until you taste them side by side, but yeah. And it is, it's funny because a lot of the locals don't, a lot of the locals who are younger, I guess, and don't have maybe the history of their grandparents going to fill up at the fountain or something mm. like that. A lot of them are not even aware that it's different water. I actually got into oh. this big discussion once on Facebook mm-hmm. on this uh, group called Say Lucese Say, which means it, you are Lucese if, and then it's like dot, 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 you know, oh. and people post different stories about Luca or things. And somebody was um, asking about the fountain and if the water really was different and tons of people weighed, weighed in and said, no, it's no different. And of course, as I explained to you earlier, mm-hmm. I'm a, a water purity snob because of, uh, <laughs> because of the coffee machine that we use. We have to use a certain level of purity in our water. And so we had actually measured it and we, we knew that the water from the fountains was totally different water from the water from the tap. The water from the fountains comes from the aqueduct that's down like out in Capanuri and, um, what a lot of people don't know is that many of the fountains are still fed by the aqueduct. Some of the newer fountains are not. And one of the best ways to tell them apart is if a fountain looks what I call like a fancy fountain. If it, if it looks like um, a, a historic statue of some sort, then it is almost certainly one of the original fountains. The fountains that look like um, kind of a copper faucet mm-hmm. may or may not be. So like the ones in, in the Amphiteatro are not, and it kind of makes sense if you look at a map, because they're quite far from where a uh, water line would have been run, mm-hmm. whereas in Piazza Antoninelli, which is where the Duomo is, yes, that one looks like a copper faucet, but it is actually an original one. It's just the the, the faucet that was, once was there, I think, has been destroyed, and so mm-hmm. now there's just a regular faucet. But all the ones that have like a gargoyle or mm-hmm. the or the Puporona, that beautiful lady statue oh, by yeah. the Ortofruta, those are all real real water from from the aqueduct and uh 
and it's delightful. And that'll come down from the mountain, just yeah. you won't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. yeah, and it's a lovely hike. You can actually, you can, I say hike, it's really more of a walk. You could just walk out to the to the source where it comes from and it's like an hour's walk from Luca. It's really lovely. Really lovely. Mm-hmm. I'll have to do that. Yeah. yeah. How much time do you use Luca as your base? Well, I mean, it really depends on tours. Mm-hmm. So like if we have, you know, several weeks of shows planned in Germany and the Netherlands, that's mm-hmm. the, where we tend to tour the most, then, you know, we'll start off in Luca and we'll be here for a few weeks, get ourselves situated, get packed, get, or get unpacked, get settled, um, mm-hmm. do rehearsals. Our band is based in Rome, but mm-hmm. they usually come up here and we just rent a rehearsal space for a couple of days. And mm-hmm. um, and then we will usually take off from Luca, go do our shows, and then we'll come back and mm-hmm. be here for a bit. We don't do shows within Italy as well. And then usually we don't have more than a few months here before we have to head back to the States to do shows there mm-hmm. as well. But um you know, COVID sort of changed all that. that I know, it's yeah. thrown everything out of Kilter, hasn't it? Yeah, and last year we last year we didn't leave. I mean, we stayed here for well, almost 18 months before wow. we went back to the States. And that def- it was lovely, and it also was kind of a wake-up call of, like, we would love to find a way to not have to go back and forth so often just because it's so exhausting to travel mm. internationally. And mm. it would be great if we could figure out a way to... To make it all a little bit more fluid, but as it is... Mm, it works yeah, for you, though, yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, it works. It's fine. It's so I'm fun. absolutely fascinated now. I'd love to talk about your music mm-hmm. and your band. I'd really like to talk in a bit more detail because when when I when I read through the notes that you'd given me, I thought, well, to me, Luca is a city of music. Mm-hmm. You've got, I mean, the birthplace of Puccini. Sure. So you have Virtuoso and Bel Canto, mm-hmm. which is a festival every year. You have the Lucasmer Festival, mm-hmm. which is in July, and give or take a few weeks either side. Yeah. And you have so many people, um, top stars come, Elton John, mm-hmm. Sting, Lenny yeah. Kravitz, you know, um, Celine Dion, she's mm-hmm. had to postpone because of COVID. Several but, times. Yeah. yeah, but she is, I mean, she, she is going to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've seen Take That, Simply Red. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, there are so many, and there's so many, there are up-and-coming bands, there are international bands, mm-hmm. and there are... Um, uh, Italian bands as well, and mm-hmm. others from from around Europe. But um, you know, there's there's always some sort of music. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's so wonderful when you walk around Luca when it you know pre COVID mm-hmm. and hopefully post COVID, and you've got the you've got Luca's like a museum anyway. But you've got all the old buildings. You just hear this music coming from somewhere, mm-hmm. and you just have to stop and close your eyes yeah. and listen to it. It's just you can't believe it. You have to pinch yourself. Yeah. So a perfect base for you. So tell me about your band. Tell me about your music. Yeah, it's funny because so we chose Luca because I loved the city. It it has two very uh, well defined music options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're a classical musician, there's the conservatory, and there you know as you pointed out, there's a lot of the performances in the churches and. There's, there's a lot of options for classical music. Mm-hmm. And then there is Luca Summer Festival, but that is definitely bands that are at a much higher level than we are at the moment. And so it's funny because we, we chose Luca and we, um, we wanted to live here. And then we knew we would probably be playing in other places because, for example, there are no live music venues that do the kind of music that we do. There's the Irish pub near the train station, but that's not anywhere near, it's not relevant to the kind of music that we do. And there aren't any live music venues because one thing about Luca is it's very, as we talked about earlier, it's um, it's pretty quiet at night. Like 
where you know I think the Lucchese really pr- uh, prize their quiet city, and there there are no pubs in the Centro Storico that do music, mm-hmm. and um, and so it's funny because we tend to play like in Pisa or Firenze or Bologna. Or places like I said earlier, much farther away from Luca. Luca, it's funny. I never, I never really even told my, like people in Luca never knew I was a musician until recently. Um, I never, I, I only told my closest Italian friends, and it wasn't like I was trying to keep it a secret. It's just that it's like it wasn't, it wasn't part of who I was here. Mm-hmm. It was almost like I could be a little bit more anonymous. I was just sort of Vanessa the American, but nobody knew that I was Vanessa the the, the musician American. Mm-hmm. You know. And um, that actually changed this year because our new album came out a couple of weeks ago and we had, um, we filmed a video during lockdown here in the Centro Storico because we, we had all these plans to make videos for the record and none of, all of our plans were falling apart because none of us could travel. We couldn't do, you know, we couldn't meet up with other people. We couldn't be in rooms with other people. I mean, the whole thing was just kind of a disaster. And so we had to really improvise a lot. And we made a video for um, one of the songs, Crazy Maker. We made it like in two days between when Italy was like in the orange zone and the red zone just before Christmas. It was a time when we could be outside and where we weren't on like the strict lockdown, you know, where you could only go to the grocery store or the pharmacy. You know, you could actually walk and be outside. And so we shot this video in various piazzas, like at quiet times of the day when there weren't a lot of people around because <clears throat> I had to take my mask off. Mm-hmm. And at the time, masks were still mandatory, outdo- even outdoors, if you were around other people. And so we were trying to do it where it was like, we, w- we didn't want to get stopped by any kind of vignette. You know, my husband was, he filmed the whole video because we couldn't hire a videographer mm. because the only one that we were planning to work with, he was in a different region. Well, he couldn't come into Tuscany. No. I know the thing was such a mess. But that video has several obvious scene shots from Luca. And um, we ended up doing an interview with the guy from Il Il Tirreno, one of the local newspapers, and he had seen the video and he wanted to he wanted to write about the the upcoming album and whatever. So it was really funny because one day I just there I was in the paper and it talks about you know the American <laughs> musician that's been living Luca for all these years, and so I the didn't secret was out and the secret was out and I didn't even know um, he was supposed to give us a heads up before we published it and then what he the heads up was look what's in the paper this morning you know it wasn't really <laughs> much of a heads up. It just so happened I walked out that morning. This is so funny. Um, I, at the time, was not even on a first-name basis with the with the grocers, the ones I was talking about yeah. earlier that are out the front door. They recognized me, but we weren't, like, buddies or anything. No. Um, actually, we used to go to a different a, a different <laughs> one, but that's a different story. So I walk out the front door this, this particular morning. The city is dead quiet because it's still COVID time, and there's just not a lot of people around. This is, like, in late March, I guess. And we're walking down the street, and I hear my song. I hear Crazy Maker playing. And I'm like, I look at my husband, and I'm like, do you hear that? And he was like, is your phone? We thought maybe the my, the YouTube video was playing on my phone in my yeah. pocket or something. So I pulled out my my phone, and I'm like, that's not it. And as we pull up in front of the, the groceries, the, at, the, at the green grocer, I look inside, and the two ladies are in there, are watching my video on YouTube. Oh. And I stopped for a minute, and at that moment, they looked up and saw me, and they were like, Masete. And I was like, yeah, it's me. And they were like, and they were so confused. So then they like called me in and they, they pulled out, they of course had seen the article. And so when they, when they read the article, they opened up YouTube to go look for it and they were, you know, just blown away. They were like, 
you're but you're the girl that always comes in here, you know, to get four tomatoes and a carrot or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't believe this is you. And so, of course, since then, it's very funny because now whenever I see them, they're always like, go ciao, buongiorno. And they're like oh. 10 times friendlier than they were before, which is hilarious. Wow. Oh, that was but, a I guess so. Customer. But That's it's funny amazing. because I'm not a celebrity at all. But it's just... It, well, you don't like, see yourself as one, but they do. I guess they do. Yeah. And it was just very funny because the it's whole amazing. thing was like... <laughs> You know, it was just this little strange moment of... Was it really overwhelming for It you? was quite lovely, actually, because um, I don't... It's sort of like when you first hear your song on the radio mm. for the first time or something, and you're like, wow, this is crazy. It was sort of like that. It was this weird moment of walking down the street and hearing the music trickling out of a, a door I couldn't mm. I couldn't recognize, you know, that I couldn't identify. And mm. then seeing my fruit, my fruit and vegetable lady watching my video <laughs> on YouTube on her phone was just too funny. It would have like, been great to film that. Actually. Oh, yeah. It would have been priceless, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? It really yeah. would have. Those but... magic moments you, you always miss. <laughs> it's in my head anyway. Of course so. it is. Of course it's still, <clears> so you've released, when did you release your album, did you say? It came out April 23rd, I think. April 23rd, 23rd yeah, around about then. Yeah. And so is it an album, do you have a single as well? I mean, I'm, I'm not much into this kind of thing, no, no. so I don't know how it works. Well, this one is the complete record. The, the singles came out in February and March. Okay. And then, and then the whole album came out in April. Ah, that, <clears> right. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. And how's that yeah. all going? It's going pretty well, Co- yeah. you know, COVID notwithstanding. It, yes. It it's, made it, it's made it very hard to tour because a lot of venues aren't open. And mm. as with so many things in the pandemic, we kind of saw that, like, the people that are thriving are the ones that were already thriving. Yes. Like, Amazon was already doing well, and yeah. then Amazon earned an extra, you know, yeah. $17 billion or exactly. whatever. And it's, the small stores were already struggling, and now they're struggling even, even more. more. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same thing for musicians at the small level, because um, a lot of the clubs were already struggling, and now a lot of them had to close because they, you know, they couldn't mm-hmm. open for a year, and then mm-hmm. they just had to straight up mm-hmm. close. And a lot of the festivals that, op- that started doing music this summer, only the only ones that could afford to do it were the big ones that were had mm. the big bands, the little mm. festivals with local bands and stuff mm. haven't really been able to take off because all of the regulations were unclear for so mm. long and it was like, when will things open and mm. when will it be safe to open? You know, we mm. were very hesitant to place. We did some shows back in Texas when we were there in May and June, mm. but we only did outdoor shows because we were very hesitant to, of course, you know, we of didn't, course. we were vaccinated, but we didn't know who was mm. and who wasn't and we didn't want to close ourselves in a, room full of people and yeah. sing you know no. <laughs> that's a terrible idea so we have um we do have some shows now lined up in um like august september and october in italy and the netherlands and germany yeah but hopefully you know who knows if the ones in september and october will take place because that's what happened to us last year we had a big tour lined up in mm. october and everything got canceled again relocating is a big deal it's you massive know. isn't it yeah yeah and i feel like for some people, it's just enough just to come stay for a month or, you know, a month or two every year, mm. or which is now very feasible. It's, you know, mm. it's very easy to rent an apartment for, it's so easy. for yeah. a month and just, it's a big jump. I'll it, just say that. It's, 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 it's a lot is. of, it's a lot of overhead. It's a lot of research. It's mm. a lot. I'm always amazed at the people that just kind of do it and then get here and there's all these things that they had never considered. And I, I'm an overthinker, so I, you, know, you and me both. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would never just leap into like buying a property, you no. know, with um But some do, don't they? And yeah. they're quite happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think probably that just depends on your personality. If you're yeah. the sort of person that can take easy leaps, then maybe mm. 
maybe you don't get as overwhelmed by details and stuff as if you're a person like me that's an mm. overthinker, then mm. you you have to cross all your T's and mm. dial okay. your I's bef- before because otherwise you won't be able to relax and enjoy it, I guess. You know? mm. Well, I think that's the beauty that I found <clears throat> because I have um, rented apartments inside the walls mm-hmm. in various places and outside the walls in various places. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a good idea yeah. of whether you want an older property, a newer property, sure. the areas. And you can see them at different times of the day, different times of mm-hmm. the year. But as I said earlier, that's easier for me to do because I'm only two hours right. away. Right. But I should imagine that if you, you know, sort of you've got sort of a long, a long travel mm-hmm. to get here. Maybe it isn't as easy, but if you're quite happy to take your time with it and do it yeah. over a few years, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of, I mean, it's, it, it's very common now, isn't it, for people to come and stay for... For four weeks, eight weeks, yeah, sure. you know, even three months, sure, you know, sure. people do come and stay and they, they sort of, so easy to slot into their life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, is. it, 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 is. <laughs> it is. It is. So if you've been going for 20 years, have you seen big changes? Yeah, I have. I mean, there's little things that you, like when I was joking earlier about um, your favorite breakfast cereals, yeah. there, there's like funny things about food that, you know, you, you could, in the past, you could never get peanut butter like or whatever oh, or you know yeah <laughs> or somebody took a picture the other day of a dr pepper at a grocery store here in town which <laughs> when i was younger i was like i was like oh, they don't have dr pepper in you know <laughs> and now i don't even drink soda so it's just like yeah. so it's there's definitely more like access to food and electronics i remember electronics back in the day were super expensive oh. to buy in europe compared to america they are still more expensive because of the because of the vat and yes. everything yeah. But they're at the very least you can get the same things. Like whereas back in the day, if you needed to replace your computer or your cell phone or something, like I would always do all that back in America. Yeah. Here now, like if I break my phone, I'll just get the exact same phone mm. in Italy than I would have back then. Maybe I'd pay a tiny bit more, but mm. it's the convenience of having it, mm. you know. Luca has definitely become busier for sure than when the first couple times I came. Mm. And it's busier even than since we moved here. We moved here in like early two thousand twelve. Mm. and it's absolutely busier in fact i have to confess that it's been kind of nice these these mm. one of the nice things about covid has been yeah. a quiet luca you know yeah i recognize that it's not good for many sectors including tourism and hospitality in which i work sometimes and which several of my friends work so i mm. i'm completely sympathetic to the mm. to the downside of not having tourists but i'm also cognizant of the upside which is just the city's just quiet you know yeah you just take pleasant. it as it is and, and enjoy it while it is mm-hmm. but you yeah. hope that it will that it will st- kick, kick off again and you know? thrive yeah 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 i'm hoping you know the, the guests i'm interviewing on this mm-hmm. um podcast i'm hoping that will stimulate people into visiting and traveling to Luca because it is we know it's a special place yeah you know and it, but it's really hard to put that over isn't it it is I really hope that what we, we what we find is that people we did find this last year um I a friend of mine that manages apartments and I help her with it sometimes mm-hmm. she um she noticed that people that came last year well, obviously they were all European because the international yeah, borders were closed but they would come to Luca and they would stay for like a week as opposed to the quick, you know, two or three night stays. Ah. And I hope that is a trend going forward. I know not everybody can come stay for a week, but I really dislike, if I can be honest, I really mm. dislike the day trippers. Yes. And these mm. sort of like dash through Luca on the way to Pisa or something or come to Luca, but you're going to go to in 
one day you're going to go to Pisa and also try to see Siena or something. I'm like, I know that's crazy. Like yeah. just come to it. Don't, it's not a checklist, you no. know, like, and especially a town like Luca. I think I told you this in my, in my, like, it's not actually a town with a lot of sites that you have to see. Like the Duomo is beautiful, but if you want to see the Duomo, go to Firenze because the Duomo is better. Mm. If you want to see a, like the amphitheater, it's lovely, but go to Rome. The amphitheater is better. Mm. Luca to me is a place that you come to, to be like you come here to hang out. You come mm-hmm. here to enjoy like a long meal at yeah. a lovely restaurant or to go for a lazy walk around the walls mm-hmm. or to ride your bicycle down by the Sergio or like to me, it's a place for living, not mm-hmm. for visiting. Mm-hmm. It's a place for living, not just for seeing. Yeah, that's exactly know? it. Yeah. And when people ask me like, what should I see? I'm like, well, I mean, there's a few obvious things like you should climb Guinigi tower. If you're able to climb the tower, you should go for a walk around the walls. But mostly you should just, like, come and wander. Mm. You know, I think I told you, it was like, go get some fruits and vegetables from the local people and go have a picnic up on the walls. Or, I don't know, spend, like, a long day in one of the very small museums, but it's not like the Uffizi, you know? It's, Mm. like, the local contemporary art museum that's... Mm. You can easily see all of it in two or three hours, and then you can spend the rest of your day sort of strolling Strolling. and reading, or I don't know. Like, I'm not a big uh, tourist destination person anyway, so that's one of the things I always liked about Luca. You know, Mm. it's not a tourist destination, Mm. but that also means that it can be used as a stop along day trips, Mm. because for, uh, you know, the cruise ships, it's easy for them to, like, swing through Luca, look at Guinigi Tower real quick, and then run away again. And I'm yeah. always like, ah, oh, you guys missed the whole point. Exactly. Like, you missed, that wasn't the point of Luca at all. No. You know? And it's really, if people are a bit nervous about traveling again after COVID, mm-hmm. I think Luca would be an ideal place to start because yeah. you haven't got the crowds as you've got in Rome and Florence. Mm-hmm. So you've still got, you've still got, the, you've got the locals and you've still got the tourists, but on a smaller scale at the moment. Yeah. But this would be, if you think, well, I do want to travel again, but I'm a bit nervous of crowds and mm-hmm. lots of people, this would be the place to come. It's not quiet by any means, is right. it? No, no. No, but you've, you've got your quiet places. Totally. And it would be a good, a good place to start. Mm-hmm. You, you, your travel agenda again, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is it is sort of ideally located for um, visiting lots of other small towns that are in the mm. you know like in the hills and the mountains places mm. that are sort of rural that you would mm. never otherwise stumble on, mm. which is nice as well. Mm. So well, I interviewed um, Andrea Pagnelli. Um, I think it was yesterday, mm-hmm. and um, he has um, a fleet of cars. Mm-hmm. So do, I don't know if you know Andrea, and he, he through friends of friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> So he, he does meet some Greeks, but he mm-hmm. also, he, he can take you to places through the day. So if you don't want to car yourself, you know, as we're talking about the map of spaghetti, yes. you know, if you want somebody to navigate the streets, you know, yeah. the streets and the hills for you, it's great. But there's so many hilltop villages mm-hmm. that you can only get to by car. By car. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, uh, they're easily navigable and there's no reason why you couldn't do them. But why why yeah. worry about it? Let somebody else take the strain and yeah. then you can... Um, Go and see these lovely hilltop villages. They're just so beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, and I mean, as fun as fun as it can be to discover things on your own, there's also a lot of joy in going with somebody that really knows yes. what they're doing. You yeah. know, like when you have, a, I know you interviewed Paula Muschini. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, yes, you can walk around town yourself with a guidebook and see a lot of things, mm. or you can go with somebody that really knows it like the back of their hand that can mm. teach you a lot about the local culture just walking around letting her mm. tell you stories and stuff yeah. is like a really wonderful way to mm. absorb more of the city mm. I feel like one of my favorite places to go to and it's in the province of, of, of Luca is Monte Carlo mm-hmm. so not Monte Carlo in France yes Monaco. yes it's 
Yeah, it's Near, a, nearby, adorable. It's just a little jewel. Little, it's gorgeous, isn't garland. it? It really is. And, it, and, and that's another one. You know, there's a castle there, and the views mm-hmm. from, are beautiful. But there's a most beautiful trattoria on the left-hand side as you're walking down, and it's so unassuming. Yes. But it's a local family that has it. I wonder if it's the one I've eaten at as well. Do you remember what it's called? I think it's just called uh, Trattoria di Monte Carlo. I think it is, yeah. There's one I ate at one time that was fantastic. We ate there last year, like Federgosto, and there was nobody around oh, because lovely, yeah. because COVID in August, everybody's at the beach. You know, yeah, we, we yeah. went to Monte Carlo and it was amazing. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. Tartufo, something with Tartufo. It was fantastic. Oh, God, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's getting near lunchtime. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, I don't need to ask you the question. I know that you're fluent in Italian. But uh, how did you find learning it, and how did you find? Because oh. I think you speak. I think when you're when you're outside your, your property, you speak Italian all the time, don't you? In the shops, uh, yeah. So i I studied I studied Latin when I was at university, and so that probably helped me with learning the verbs and everything, mm-hmm. you know. And then I was also just when I came here on study abroad, I was very interested in interacting with. I don't, it's weird. I don't. I don't know what instilled this in me because I don't. It's not like I come from a family where everybody is multilingual or anything else. But I was just really excited to come here, and I wanted to try to speak. I know a lot of people are very intimidated by it, and I'm actually kind of shy in a lot of regards. But for some reason, I wasn't shy about this. It was just a thing I was excited to try. Like I wanted to say vorrei un cono con cioccolato or whatever you know like I I wanted to see if I could order in Italian and I think it's probably in part because I came when I came 20 years ago outside of the big cities there wasn't a lot of English you know in Rome and Florence you could easily get by in English but in the little town I lived in Castiglione Fiorentino there was you know very very little English and so I could either you know be a mule-headed about it and just like speak English and they could speak to me in Italian and we could sort of pretend to understand each other or I could like give it a try you know Mm -hmm. and that's what I decided to do and so and I did something that was like Rosetta Stone it wasn't Rosetta Stone it was like a cheap knockoff but it was one of those uh it was an audio Mm -hmm. program and I sort of got my workbooks and I coupled the two things together and I studied a lot on my own just because I wanted to it was a hobby for me Mm -hmm. and then when I ended up um, staying in Castiglione Fiorentino more permanently, I I worked in a kitchen at the study abroad school where I had previously studied. Um, it's an American university, so the classes are all in English, but the people that run the school are all Italian. So when in the kitchen, it's Italian cooks, you know. Wow. And you learn very quickly yeah. uh, in a kitchen because the cook is not terribly patient if she has <laughs> to tell you multiple times, like, no, I said pomodori, you know, not pesche or whatever it yeah, is that yeah, she's yeah. telling you. Um and so I picked up a lot that way. And then when I when I had an Italian boyfriend, you know, and I lived with him and his family, they didn't really speak a lot of English. And so it was just, that was lucky for me because it was immersive, you know. Mm. I was not the sort of person that was going to sit at the dinner table and just, like, stare at my plate and, <laughs> and never, like, I wanted to interact with them. They were my family, too, you know, yeah. at the time. And so um, I, I I was just lucky in that regard that I, I had a good I had got good fundamentals from studying on my own, but I also had that thing that's so hard to obtain, which is daily interaction in mm-hmm. Italian. Because I think that's the thing that's the hardest for most expats is it's like if you're there with your partner who also is an English speaker or whatever language mm-hmm. it is, you know, if you don't if you don't have somebody that you can speak to 
it's great to practice with ordering your fruits and vegetables and your coffee. But even more important is that like next level of conversation, like, oh, did you see the game last night? Or what do you think about Brexit? Or whatever it is that's your, whatever the conversation is, it's like, that's the only way to get over the hump to that next level. Mm. And I think a lot of schools are really useful in that regard. I think a lot of schools have figured out that conversation is necessary. It's not just grammar and verbs you have to have it's, the conversation it's a conversation well. that, yeah, that, yeah I went to um I had a couple of weeks at um on separate occasions at the uh, Liz Luke at Italian, least mm-hmm. Luke Italian school mm-hmm. it's um it's very well known and, yes. and very well respected isn't mm-hmm. it yeah so I found that helped with some of the grammar yes and then um I just like you say immerse myself in um because you, you, you have get, to just take the plunge you do yeah you do you do yeah. you do and you find well I found anyway that you'll be in company, mm-hmm. uh, a, a mix of, of English-speaking and Italian, mm-hmm. and you find that you, pick, you start to pick words out, and mm-hmm. then you pick a few more words out, and that's it, it, it. Just you've got to be patient with it, haven't you? You really do. You and a lot of people do get very frustrated and think they'll they'll never learn. Mm-hmm. And learning languages, I feel like, especially as you're an adult, it happens in fits and starts. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. A friend of mine told me once, and I found this to be true, that you you're actually learning a lot when it feels like you've hit a wall and you feel like you, you like, I'm just never going to get it, you know? And what that is, is actually your brain. It's sort of um, finally processing and analyzing wherever you are at that stage in the language. And then like what happens is a few weeks later, all of a sudden you realize that you're making phrases that you previously couldn't make or like you're connecting with it. And it's, it's like it's almost if you picture your brain doing these funny stair steps, mm-hmm. right? Like you go up for a while and then you're at this plateau for mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. and then you pop mm-hmm. up again. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like that's, for me anyway, that that's exactly how it was. It was mm-hmm. like one day I, all of a sudden I just felt like I could speak much better, you know? And then for a long time I'd be like, oh, I just can't ever seem to remember the con- the conjunctivo of essere or whatever exactly. and then all of a sudden one day I was using the conjuntivo and Italians were like wow yeah. you use the conjuntivo <laughs> I don't even know how to use it and I was like I don't know I just finally got it like yeah. one day it just yeah. made sense you know yeah. and yeah I think it is a patience thing and and I suppose it helps you, know. you to integrate more as well doesn't it sure 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 mm. I mean to me I can't imagine living here and not speaking Italian no I don't mean that in a judgmental way no. I just like I meet people often that are expats that have been here for years mm. and speak any Italian at all. And I'm like, wow, how, have you got how did you get, mm. how did you deal with the comune and the questura exactly. and all of these like mm. offices that I feel like I have to fight my way through mm. and I'm conversationally fluent in Italian. Mm. Like I can pretty much hold my own in a fight if I need to, you know, yes, 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 <laughs> I have yes, held yes. my own in a fight and I think, wow, I don't know how you, uh, no. how you did it. No. Or how you do it even now. Yeah. You know? well, there you go. Whatever. Some people do, don't they? Yeah. If they're yeah. happy, they're happy. It's yeah. just like, you know, to each his own. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to the quick fire questions. Yes. Do you have any, a favourite <laughs> Italian word or phrase? Oh, I have so many. Mm. But I think when you asked me, I thought I, I thought I should just go with my instincts yes. so my two favorite words are insomma and ormai both of which i find super difficult to translate back into english but insomma just sort of means you know like eh, it's like <laughs> it's this delightful linking word like when you're in a conversation and you're the conversation's trailing off and then you want to like link it back to something else you know just insomma 
Insomma. It's like when you tap your finger on the table. I yeah. don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> it literally means like in order to sum up things, in soma. Ah. But it uh, it's just this funny. It's, it's a gap word. It's a gap word. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah I've gap never, word. I've never heard that phrase before. Gap yeah, because I used um, ma. Ma. Mm-hmm. Like, but, or alora. Yeah. Th- those are gap words, yes. aren't they? Ma and alora, but I yeah. haven't heard in summer. Oh, okay. No, so now, now you'll start to hear it a lot. I'll, I'll, I'm going to listen yeah. out for it. So in soma and then ormai. Ormai, which means like, well, it'd be like, well, I, I was planning to come over at 12, but it's already 11.45, so at this point, I'll just come at 4. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> so typical. So, ormai, <laughs> it, it means like at this point, like something has changed, and so we're going to have to do it differently later on. That's a terrible, terrible definition of it, but no, contextually, I, I, that's how I think of it. So, no, because that actually is going to be one of my new favorite words because that just sums up Italian, yeah. the Italian way of life. Yeah. You don't set, you'll sort of say, um, oh, on Thursday, um, we'll get together at 10 yes. and we'll, um, we'll go to the beach and then, um, you know, we'll, so I'll, I'll, we'll meet in Piazza Santa Maria at yes. 10 and then, um, so this will be Monday and then on Tuesday, you'll get a message and say, no, we're going to do it at 8.30. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get another day. No, we're not going to do it on Thursday. We're going to do it on Friday. Yeah. And then it comes back to Wednesday. And right. It's just the the messages that go backwards yeah. and forwards. And you're never really sure if this is going to go ahead. And right. then you can get you could get a message and you're supposed to be meeting like in an hour. Right. Ah, yeah. So that to me, oh my, that's. I would be I'm, curious to know what Google, how Google translates or why. Yeah. Like if there's a direct translation that's easier than what I have just described. But it is a word that we, my husband and I, we're both American. Uh, we use ormai now in English because I don't, I don't find a better word. So mm. it translates as by now. By, by now. now or almost or nearly or by this time. And I just feel like it's um, like, you know, you're talking to somebody at 645 at night and the shops close at seven. Right. And so... You're like, well, I was going to go out and try to find that replacement telephone, but ormai, it's 6.45, the shop closes in 15 minutes, I'll just do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I usually do it, I, that's probably what I would say to my husband, just like that in English, I would just say ormai instead of <laughs> saying, at this point, the shops are closing in 15 minutes, let's do it tomorrow, because yeah. I just like ormai better. Yeah, it, it, I do like it. It's, it really <laughs> it's a lovely word. In some yeah. ormai, yeah. like, very, very much, yeah. very, very much. Now, I know that you're quite a connoisseur on coffee. And food, and, and yeah, yeah, in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to ask you about your favorite uh, pasticceria. Mm-hmm. My favorite in town is Meucci. Yeah. But, and I love their cordonetti. Their cordonetti are delicious. Yeah. Far and away. That's probably my only... Honestly, it's the only pasticceria that I like in town. I will... I will this, this podcast is not supposed to be that Luca is a perfect place. So I will tell oh, you... No. I do not love the pastries in Luca compared to the town I used to live in. The mm. pastries there are so much, well, they're just better to me. Mm. And also the pastries outside of the walls in Luca are better than the ones inside. I don't oh, wow. know why. But there's Belwomini outside the walls is very good. Regina is pretty good right here. Yeah, well, my apartment's near Regina. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tiffany is good. And then the the, paste, the pastry makers at Meucci used to work at Tiffany, and now they have their own ah. place. And, they, and so it's the only one inside the walls that I really love. Even Burali, 
which is a big famous one. Mm. The, the Burrelli outside the walls is better than Burrelli inside the walls. I don't wow. know why. Don't ask me why. I can't no. explain it. It's like they send the reject pastries to the one here. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I just don't love any of them. They're all, I find them all to taste sort of frozen or they all have this horrible like lemon glaze on everything. Everything mm. kind of has a lemon a lemony note. Uh, like if I wanted a lemon pastry, I would have just you asked get, for you that. Buy a yeah. pastry. So, yeah. <laughs> so luckily for us, we just make coffee at home, and then we get our cornetti from Meucci, and then we yeah. just recreate that. It's the one thing that I wish was different in Luca. I mm-hmm. wish there was a pastry shop that I loved, uh, like a bar pastry shop where I loved the coffee, also where I could just go hang out at the bar. Mm. But life's too short to drink bad coffee, and I don't like no. any of the coffee in town. No. <laughs> Make your own coffee. Go buy I make my own coffee. I mean, we, we we actually buy coffee from a from a coffee roaster in Florence. It's great. And my husband is a he's an ex barista, so we have a professional machine, and wow. it's like our one luxury in life. Wow. Where we just make our coffee. Wow, you have people queuing so. up. Actually, I made the mistake of mentioning that one time on the forum where I was talking about the water quality. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, oh, can we come have coffee? <laughs> and this was unfortunately during COVID. So I was like, well, no, you can't come over to my house. But maybe when everything opens up again, sure. So maybe we will have people queuing up. I don't know. Yeah. Be funny. You'll be able to yeah. make a, a source of income, maybe. <laughs> we actually have joked about it for several years about opening a coffee shop over here. But it's a big commitment to do it's very big. A coffee shop is like every day. Mm. It's early every day. And yeah. it would obviously mean the end of touring yeah at that point. so you know, know. we'll know maybe, maybe when we get ready to retire from yeah music, maybe. we'll see yeah so yeah and so what's about your favorite restaurant because that's really hard isn't it it is very hard but my it's my gut answer is always baralla baralla is my favorite especially when marco he's the owner when he's there the food is like 10 times better yeah i can't explain that but he just knows how to get his kitchen stuff just just, just right yeah yeah, yeah. Just on the it's level. just great yeah. and i also like monzo a lot too our friends yes. are at monzo and it's very good yeah yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, good choices, mm-hmm. good choices. And so as far as recommendations go, if somebody said to you, I'm coming to Luca for the, for the day, and I know mm-hmm. we try and put them off to just within three right. weeks for the day, but if they were, and um, they said, what should I see, do, visit, you know, you can't come to Luca for a day and not. Yeah, well, you can't come and not go on the walls. So yeah. if you, you either have to walk or ride your bike, I feel like. But yeah. the walls are just a very special experience. I think it's, it's magical to be able to see the city from above like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's a great way to, to go, you know, you go partway around the wall and then you go down one of the ramps, one of the Baluardi, and then mm. you see that portion of the city and then you go back up and it's like this, it's like a lovely little, um, ring road, yes, <laughs> like a yes. pedestrian ring road yeah. around the city, you know, um, the circumvolazione up on the walls. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I feel like if you're, you know, if your knees can handle it, I think climbing Torre Guinigi or, mm. or Torre delle Ore is a lovely thing that you should do. And then I think visiting the church of San Frediano is probably yes. my favorite one. I love the the mosaic. It's oh, just it's, remarkable. Yeah. All of the churches are actually great. Um, but that's probably that one or the one that's like Chiesa di San Giovanni in, in something. I forget the full name. It's the one that's catty corner to the Duomo. It's a s- smaller one. Um, and it has a really cool Roman ar- um, archaeology exhibit. Oh, um, what's that one called again? It's like Chiesa di San Giovanni. Uh, let me look at the map real quick. Um, it's, I believe, I, I could be mistaken, but I believe it was the original Duomo before they built oh. the Duomo. It's a much older church. And it's a, it's a Roman, has Roman foundations, and they have excavated them underneath, and you can walk around in them. There's a great audio guide that goes with it. You can climb that tower as well if yeah. like, if the line at Torre Guinigi is long. 
That's one of or whatever. Them. Well, that's one I've definitely missed. Yeah, it's so Duomo di San Martino is the main one. Okay, Chiesa dei San, Santi Giovanni e Reparata. And it's literally just, like, you can, when you're standing at it, you can see the Duomo. The Duomo's yes. right there. It's yeah. just this little one just around the corner. And it's nice. It's a, the church itself maybe is not that, you know, remarkable mm. from, an archi- you know, from an architecture standpoint. But the, the lower archaeology exhibit is very cool. Mm. It definitely, so, sound, definitely yeah. sounds worth a visit that. Especially with kids. It's one of those things that's like, yeah. Luca's a hard city, I think, to take kids to sometimes. Mm. The, I think the bikes are fantastic yeah, yeah, for yeah. kids. But the rest of it is kind of... You know, museums and churches, museums and churches. I'm sure for children it gets a little bit old. So kids of a certain age, like my nephew, really enjoyed the the archaeological yeah. exhibit. So that's a really that's a really good recommendation. Yeah. And then what about if somebody was coming for a week or more? For a week, it's kind of what I was telling you earlier. I feel like that's when you get to go slow. You know, that's when you get to like stock up on good food and make a picnic up on the walls, or maybe hire a guide. I think I think calling somebody like Paula. Um, to show you around the little hidden part. There's so many like churches that are closed to the public, mm-hmm. but you know you can if you know a guide, you can get in to see yeah, them. Yeah, because they have a license, don't mm-hmm. they? They know who to contact. So yeah, exactly. Open. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. I feel mm-hmm. like, and also, I mean, I I just think it's nice to find like your favorite your favorite coffee bar, so you can mm-hmm. sit on the piazza and watch mm-hmm. the world go by, mm-hmm. or you know your favorite sort of like your favorite gelato place. I don't, to me, like the joy of traveling to a town is finding your favorite ex and then yeah. vis- visiting that ex multiple mm. times because that's just mm. the sort of person that I am. Mm. Like, So I always, you know, when I get to a place and I feel like I kind of learn the ropes a little bit, then I I really settle in and like I visit that gelato place every day. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my daily gelato at this place. So yeah. I can t- sample all of their flavors or yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah. you know. And I forgot um, to ask you that when I was asking. That was one of the questions I normally at, ask, which is your favorite gelato? At La Bottega. La Bottega del Gelato, which is on Via Santa Croce. It's, it's, it, you know, it's really funny it's because um, with the apartment I'm in, I, I go past there mm-hmm. regular now. So I've been here around about four weeks. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe the queues outside. So you know, because, I mean, all the gelaterias are popular. Mm-hmm. And there are certain ones that are a bit more popular than others. Yeah. But I've never seen queues outside of any way. of the other gelaterias. Yeah, I, I, I feel like there were queues even before COVID. Now there definitely are because mm-hmm. you can't pack in there, you know, like mm-hmm. the, you have to wait outside mm-hmm. until your turn. But mm-hmm. um, what's funny is they aren't even Lucchese. He's from Bergamo and she's from Viareggio, the, okay. the, the two people that run it. So I'm sure a lot of the Lucchese were like, oh, what is this place? It's not even really local, you know. <laughs> but they've been there now for three or four years. And mm-hmm. um, man, their gelato is good. They're really serious about using good products. And like, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of, crappy flavors with a lot of like candy poured into it or whatever you know it's all like very fresh genuine things Mm. and honestly there's several good gelatinias in Luca I mean Decoltelli is also excellent they Mm. use like a lot of organic things and Mm. very local produce Mm. or fruits and um so that would be my second one probably Mm. I just Mm. uh, I really mm. like the salted caramel and the salted pistachio Ooh. at La Bottega. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. Really good. Really good. <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to tell me about, Luke? Is there anything I've missed? I just think, Luke, it's just, it is just really lovely. I mean, it's very, it's, when we first came here, uh, we stayed in an apartment and the guy that rented it to us told us that Luca was a citu, una città al misura di un uomo. Uh, which means that it is a, a city that's human sized. It's 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 man oh. man sized. Yeah, you know is yeah. what the phrase is. But we're, we're going to say human sized. Yeah, and what it means is it's a city that you can you can walk around and know the city in a, mm. in a day. You know, if, um, it's not like 
Florence or Rome where it, everything is kind of big and crowded and overwhelming. Luca is is small and that can make it feel too small sometimes, obviously. But at the end of the day, it's a city that, like I said, it's it's a city for living in. It's very livable. I don't know. And it's I really appreciate it. Yeah. Personable. It's not, if you go to somewhere like Florence, it's beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's quite impersonal because it's a city made up of people from you don't seem to see the locals when you go there for the day. Although right. the locals are there, yeah, you, don't, yeah. you don't seem to see them. That's just, true. Yeah, it, it, it seems more touristy, mm-hmm. whereas you've got the right balance in, in Lucca, I think, of locals I think so and too. tourists. I mean, I see the same Lucchese every yes. day when I'm on my bicycle running errands. I, mm. I don't know any of their names. They don't know my name, but we salute each other now. Mm. Although what's funny is like that that's my personality is to see people and say, Buongiorno, even if yes. I don't know them. Yes. And I did that a lot in the town I used to live in, and it was no big deal. And I found out when I first came here that uh, the, the Lucchese are much more reserved than the town I used to live in. They mm-hmm. kind of are famous for being closed, like the walls. That's, yes. that's the phrase, siamo chiuse yeah. come le mura. I haven't actually found the Lucchese to be closed. What I have found is that they're surprised when you make this first move. Yes. But then if you make the first move, oftentimes they're quite happy to chat with you or mm. be friendly after that, you know. Mm. And I think people take that initial reserve and hesitancy as a kind of snobbishness or as a kind of like unfriendliness, but it isn't. I no. think it's just people are, they aren't used to having tourists no. on a historic scale. Like no. for the last 20 years or so, Luca has become steadily more tourist. But yeah. prior to that, it wasn't necessarily overwhelmed with tourists. And the, lo- the locals just weren't used to like someone they didn't know saying hello. Yes. And it didn't come naturally to them to say hello back. You well, know? They, they, they smile they back do. at you and in a surprise yeah. look and they say it back to you and they see you again. Especially if you yeah. continue to make the effort. That exactly. is what I have found is like, mm. don't be put off. I feel like if the first time you say buongiorno to somebody, they look at you like you've got horns. I think they're just very surprised. <laughs> um, and then you've, I feel like I find if I keep doing it, then they then they give in. They're like, okay, we, yeah, you yeah. Know, we can be friends now. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Uh, that's probably just the American in me, like the like sort of uh, insistently friendly. <laughs> um, but uh, but I have found that has actually served me quite well in Luca. Yes. I haven't had a lot of the problems that I, that I read on expat forums where people say like, "Oh, the Lucas are very unfriendly." And no, like, I, haven't, I haven't found it. Either. I haven't found that at all. But I mean, you've got to meet halfway though as well. It's yeah. like you say, you yeah. can't expect them to do all the. All the running, all the heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah, you've got to you've got to do a little bit. So you've yeah. got to have a bit more confidence, and, and you know, and sort of like you say, say ciao or buongiorno yeah. to them. So, and if you do, I think that, I think they're very welcoming and very accommodating. Mm-hmm. I think know. people are very they underestimate how much it can make a difference when you walk into a, a shop. If you say buongiorno or what, or when you leave, just a simple arrivederci is yes. considered very friendly. Like it, yeah. it's considered very polite, and yeah. to walk in and leave without saying anything is um is is cold yes and i think they get used to that they get mm. used to tourists sort of walking mm. in touching a few things and then leaving and mm. not buying anything or whatever and i think they really are genuinely um moved by people that walk yeah. in and say good morning good afternoon well i think i you think know. as well if you go in if you go in the shop and there are a few italian people in front mm-hmm. of you before they actually, I mean, it, it's quite common because we live in a very fast way of life now. You go in the shop and say, oh, I, I, I'm here, I want such and such, and mm-hmm. have you got this and have you got that? And you, mm-hmm. between the, the, the shopkeeper and yourself, that's how you are. But if you, watch, if you go in and observe and you watch Italians, they go in and the first thing they say is either buongiorno mm-hmm. or buonasera. Mm-hmm. And they both say that to each other before they start the conversation. And the transaction begins. Yeah, yeah. Totally. and that's what, they, that's what they do. Yeah. And so if you do the same... Mm-hmm. 
you know, they're sort of they'll, they'll be very welcoming to you. Mm-hmm. They'll be, you know, they'll, they'll be very considerate towards you. Mm-hmm. And if you have said that word, just that one word, mm-hmm. buongiorno or buonasera, mm-hmm. they will, you know, they, they will be very helpful to you and try and speak, you know, the language that you're speaking. I think it's also funny that people don't take into account, you know, back in their own hometowns, home cities, like you can walk into any number of shops and eight of ten cashiers or checkers or persons mm. will be friendly. And then you'll always have like the two or three people that are having a bad day. Yeah. And, and when it happens to you on vacation, mm. or you tend to take it as like, well, they didn't like me because I'm a tourist. Maybe that person's just having a bad, bad day. day. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. excuse <laughs> like, it, doesn't say. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of, I feel like it's easy to sort of feel, um, feel judged because you aren't from a place without realizing that like, they're all just humans living their lives too, just like you exactly. are. And yeah, like one of the one of the things I have told my guests uh, that come to visit over the years, whenever they try to go to a restaurant, this is like the number one thing. If I could tell tourist Italy, if you're listening to me, do not take it personally when you go to a restaurant and you ask if there is a free table and they tell you no, and you look around and you see a bunch of free tables and you're convinced that for whatever reason they don't want to give you the table because you are a tourist. It is because there is no desire here to flip tables like we have in America. Like mm-hmm. at, at a restaurant, it's like get you in, get you out. Yeah, you know, you're in and you eat and you're gone in thirty minutes, mm-hmm. an hour if it was like a luxury dinner. You mm-hmm. know, here if they reserve a table for you, they fully expect that you will probably spend at least two hours at yeah. that table. Mm-hmm. So if that table is reserved for eight and you show up at seven. Most good restaurateurs will not give you that table mm. because they do not want to have to rush you. Yes. Especially because they don't want a bad review on TripAdvisor mm. or whatever else. So they would rather just say, you know what, that table's reserved because it is reserved at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Please come back tomorrow or please call. Like here there's still a, a big culture of reserving a table, mm. which took me years to get mm. in the habit of doing because mm. I'm used to just sort of popping into exactly. a place and yeah. grabbing the first table mm. I see. And I feel like... Once people really understand that, it makes them feel mm. much more accepted mm. in a place because it feels a little bit like a rejection when you're like, mm. could, could we have a table for two? No, I'm sorry. Everything's full. And you can see yeah, four or five empty like, tables. It seems like it's not yeah. all, all full. Yeah, 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 Just yeah. believe them. Just assume that there's a good reason that they told you that. And it's not fast food either. Yeah. It's fresh food. So it yeah. takes that bit longer to cook. So yeah. if you go in... Um, you know, they want to cook it properly yeah. and they'll cook it from scratch. But also, they, they, they're not used to serving just one main meal right you'll have like the antipasti and the pre-party right. and the seconda piatti and the and dolce if you, and if you really have your heart set on eating there then either reserve in advance or when you show up just maybe try your best italian or slow english to explain that you only plan to eat like one plate of pasta and then yeah. they can make the, the, the evaluation like okay well if she's just going to have a quick plate of spaghetti then we can serve her and still have the table mm. available at eight you know they mm. just and a lot of restaurants also buy food like they, they stock their food uh, pantries based on the number of tables that they expect to serve in any one evening. Yeah. And sometimes they don't want extra tables because they don't want to be left without mm. supplies on hand, exactly. you know? So, I don't know. I always feel like that's a, that's a thing that tourists should take into account, that that's not, uh, that's not true in Rome or Florence or Venice mm. because mm. those places are... They are fast food. Mm. They're made for quick-turning tables. Yes. But at a small restaurant in a place like Luca... No. And the most of the family yeah. run as well, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. take it personally. Give them another chance. Yeah. Ask them, okay, can I book a table for tomorrow? tomorrow. Yeah. You know? That's like, that's, yeah. That, that's one of those meeting halfway things that I think it's a cultural misunderstanding that I have yes. explained people out of several times and they're always like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Yes. Yeah. You know? That's a really good tip. Really good tip. So, 
Vanessa, it's been absolutely <laughs> wonderful talking to you. I mean, Thank it's you. the first time we've met yes. and it feels like I've known you for, for ages. <laughs> it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank I'm you. really going to um, look around at these fountains now because I yep. know two that are definitely from, that come straight from the aqueduct. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that up. I'm also going to start using your word, Ome. Yes. Very, especially with my Italian friends. Yes. That's really, really good. And I'm going to look up your, uh, your band, Vanessa Peters, yes. and have a good listen on uh, YouTube. And I really do hope that you... Go watch the video with Luca. With Luca, <laughs> I will. I, I will. It'll be beautiful. Okay. It'll be beautiful, you know. So I'll put all the details, as I said, in the, okay. in the episode notes. So thank great. you. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Good. Glad you enjoyed it. Well, wouldn't you just have loved to have been the proverbial fly on the wall when Vanessa caught the shopkeepers in the auto route to watching Crazy Maker on YouTube on their phone? I'm sure that their expressions would have been priceless. The same locals, no doubt, that source their water from the city's fountains, which is fresh from the mountains. This is one of the reasons that makes me love Luca so much. It embraces the new, whilst at the same time, it's proud to keep centuries-old traditions alive. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be lovely if you could take a moment to leave a review and share your comments. My contact details are also in the episode notes. It would be lovely to hear from you. So until next time, adopto.